You are listening to Mountain Bike Radio. Hello and welcome to Inside Mountain Bike Radio. I'm your host, Ben Welnack, and with me is somebody that many of you are familiar with because she's done many shows on Mountain Bike Radio in the past. She hasn't recently, but um, she is very involved as... uh, you may notice she does some of the Instagram in for Mountain Bike Radio, but uh, Danielle Musto is joining me today to talk about the recent, I would definitely say epic race that she did up in Marquette, Michigan called the Margie Gessick. And uh, we will talk about it. We'll talk about some other things that she has going on. And uh, that's about it. So Danielle, thank you for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes. Um, so listeners, if you haven't listened to the last Inside Mountain Bike Radio episode, I interviewed Todd Poquette. He is the director of this uh, difficult and uh, challenging race up in Marquette. Um, but I would encourage you, if you haven't listened to that, go back. If you listen to the on the app, it's a slick way of uh, screening through all Mountain Bike Radio shows. So you go to the top, there's a little search box. You can type in Inside Mountain Bike Radio to pull up all the episodes of just inside mountain bike radio. So there you go. All right, Danielle, I, you know, I mentioned that it really does get the term or it deserves the term epic. Uh, so it sounds like you were the only woman to finish. How's that? Yeah. What, what? I, I think that is the case for the hundred miler. Okay. It was very, very epic. That's okay. a, that's a great word for it. <laughs> so was it, I mean, tell us about it. Take us, you know, front to back. What, you know, what, I guess let's back up beforehand. Um, going into it, what was your experience with Marquette and what were you thinking this was going to be like? Um, well, going into the race, uh, I, I've been to Marquette a few times for um, the Ordashore race, which is, you know, a lot of uh, dirt roads and and there's some pavement, but I've always loved Marquette. It's probably like my favorite place on earth or one of my favorite places on earth. Um, and everyone always talks about all the single track up there. So when I heard about the Margie Gessick, I was like, well, this will be a great, you know, a great way to experience all of the single track in one day. Yeah. And- <laughs> so up in. What? Oh, I was just going to say, and I, I didn't mention it too, is for people that don't know, you're from Michigan too. So it's the lower uh, peninsula. So it's not too big of a travel, too big of a travel day for you. No, no. For me, it's probably like just under eight hours Okay. with a few steps. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, just, I go straight up and it's, it's a really pretty drive once you um, enter the upper peninsula. Yeah. And so the order, you mentioned the order shore, that, that's nothing. Yeah. I mean, that does nothing to prepare you for this, for, for this race. Um, and, no. and you know what I was going to mention in the, in the intro too, um, for people that aren't familiar with you, uh, Danielle is, I would say one of the most successful and consistent and, uh, fastest endurance women racers out there. I mean, if you look back, I would say, I don't even know how long you've been doing it, but if you look back, I know you've done, I think 11 lumberjacks, but if you look back over the course Uh of the last 10 years and you look at Danielle's results and her consistency, 
um, it, it would be a hard argument to say that she's probably not one of the top racers out there. So keep that in mind while we're discussing this and, you know, her thoughts and how <laughs> she goes through this, because we're, we're talking, I mean, she's no slouch on a bike. So, Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'm, I mean, I'm not just saying that to, uh, you know, to, to make this a happy discussion. It's, it's the truth. And I mean, I, I think that proves what kind of challenge this is. So anyhow, so before I went off on that huge tangent and interrupted that, um, you were talking about Marquette trails and you've ridden, you know, some of those trails. So you had an idea of what it was going to be like. Um, did you, I mean, did you do anything special leading up to it to, to get ready for all that, you know, the climbing, the technical nature of that, or did you say, okay, I'm, I, I know what I'm doing. I'm ready. How'd that all go? Um, no, I didn't really do anything special. I did a few, uh, 12 hour races duo, but nothing, nothing that I did prepared me for this race. Um, <laughs> and I went into it. I went into it slightly confident because I knew that I could, you know, I've done a lot of hundred milers in the past and I, I know what it takes, um, you know, physically and mentally, because a lot of it is just like mentally pushing through, but I was in no way prepared for how tough this race ended up being. Um, a lot of the single track that I had ridden in Marquette was maybe like a paved trail and I just didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then, yeah. uh, before we get to talking about race day, tell us what your setup was the bike. Um, cause people like to dig into the details. So the bike tires, rims, t tell us about all that good stuff. Yeah. So I, uh, raced the same bike that I raced at the 24 hour world championships in Scotland. It was the XX one, um, salsa spe spearfish. And I was running velocity blunt SS's on them, which is like, you know, an awesome wheel. And then I had, uh, um, Kenda Karma 2.2. So I put a wider tire than what I normally run downstate. Okay. Like usually down here, I'm on a 1.9. Oh, really? So yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> skinny. Well, in, yeah. in that 2.2 two, two, two on those blunt, uh, those SS's, I should, you should uh, uh -huh. know those are a little bit wider rims too. I, what are they? Uh, I forgot what they are with, but uh, they're, uh, they're nice wide rims. So anyhow, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they provide awesome traction. I mean, so I was like, yeah, this is, you know, a little, I, I thought I was prepared for the technical trail and they, they worked fine. They okay. were awesome, actually. Okay. All right. So leading up to race day that night, everything, everything, you're feeling good or did you have any, you know, because some sometimes the day before it can be a little hectic or were you all, all chill, prepared, ready to go? Did you go out and have some beer even or what? How'd that? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, you yeah. kind of have to. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pre-registration is right at Black Rocks Brewery, right. which if you go to Marquette, you have to go there. They have the best beer. Um, and a bunch of my teammates from the Granifa's Bicycle Company came up with me. So we went um, and pre-rode the first 10 miles of the course in the morning, Friday morning, and that's when I had one of those like, oh, crap moments. Um, I remember riding, I think it was the Harlow Lake Trails with my teammate, Jenny Scott. And I swear we had been out for like 30, 35 minutes. And I was like, how, how many miles have we done? And she was like, my Garmin is showing two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, it was just one of those moments where I was like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be a really long day. Like the promoter had warned us. You know, like these trails are not easy, but it was kind of just like just a slap in the face of what I was facing. Right. And so, no, you mentioned the difficult trails. I, 
I saw or I found out about this race at the Schwamigan 100. I raced that and at the previous meeting, um, Tim Kruger, the director of that, had mentioned, "Hey, Todd's in the audience. Like, just a heads up that he's doing this race in Marquette, 100 miler." And I'm thinking, "Holy crap! Like, he is going to connect all those trails, and it is going to be a beatdown." And no shit, the trail, the map comes out and all that stuff. And I just, I wasn't able to make it, but it, yeah. So anyhow, so had you ridden the North? So listeners, um, like I said, if you didn't listen to the last episode where Todd describes the entire course, um, there's kind of, I guess, three sections of trails that it goes through. There's the North trails and then the South trails and then heads over to Ishpeming, which is some old school type of trails. Um, had you ever ridden that kind of taking you to the start of the race now had you ever ridden that north stuff other than just no the pre-ride? no no not at all okay so you had no idea what you're getting into no not <laughs> all right so race morning how, how'd it go how'd it start tell us you know tell us how that first section went and what you were yeah, thinking so- at that point were you worried still or was it okay i, I got this well I <laughs> I was worried. I'm not going to lie. I was worried that I was going to get lost. Um, and I was worried just because there, you know, I'm used to hundred milers where there's aid stations like every 15 to 20 miles. Mm-hmm. And this one, I wasn't exactly sure how long it would take to get to like the main aid station. We were allowed one drop bag. Um, and so I was carrying a lot more supplies on me than I normally have. So like, the start like, wasn't like what? Can you just give people, because people always ask, like, how many water bottles oh, yeah. you carry? What kind of food? What do you all, for that kind of situation where you don't really know how that was going to play out, what did you carry? Okay. So I had, I went out that Friday night and bought a bigger, um, like, camelback bladder. Like, normally I run with uh, 50 ounces of water. Mm-hmm. And so I filled it up with, I think, like 110 ounces of water oh, on my back. Yeah. So you're like... <laughs> <laughs> here's Danielle. She's not exactly a huge person here. So she's carrying like a, she's like a mule with the water in there. All right. Yeah. And then I just, you know, grabbed like a 24 ounce water bottle as well on my bike. And then I, I packed like a lot of tools and <laughs> it seems kind of, kind of comical now, but I was like ready for the wilderness. <laughs> That's cool. So it's, yeah, just, it's good to do know. those races every once in a while though, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. It was, it was part of what appealed to me. I mean, it was just a little bit more, uh, grassroots than Mm -hmm. what a lot of the hundred milers have become, you know, not that there's any right or wrong race, but yeah. So I was weighted down for this uh, race and, um, Harlow, the Harlow trails have like some steeper climbs. And I kept telling my teammates, like, I think I'm just going to flip over backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What, uh, and that brings up a good point with the, the steeper climbs that you mentioned. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, gearing. What'd you run the, on the one by? What would you? What did you do for a front chain ring? I had a thirty okay. in the front. Okay, and you yeah, would do so that I, again. Yes. Okay. Yep. So were you thinking? So okay, so you're you're starting in this race. You're getting into the first section. You're going up some of these hills, and you have a full backpack. Are you thinking to mm-hmm. yourself, okay, this this chain ring is good? Or are you like, damn, I should have done a twenty eight? What do you like? What are your, some of your thoughts at that point early on? At that point, um, it was dark. Um, we also started in the dark and the single track was really dark. So I was running, I had a Knight Rider 750 Lumina on my handlebar. Mm-hmm. And so like my only thought was just like, try to run the light because you don't know how long this race is going to take. So 
my thoughts during the beginning of the race were to just kind of take it easy. And I know, I know from experience, you can't win a race in the first, like, you know, 10 miles. So Mm -hmm. I went out, I went out really conservative for myself, even like I was not riding hard by any means, but also on those trails, I didn't feel like I could go out hard anyways, just because they were pretty technical. Okay. And how far about how far were you in before it got light? I'm going to say at least like probably about a half hour. Oh, okay. So a good good chunk. Yeah. 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 And then, so you, you ride through those trails. What, how many miles do you know that first section is, how many that is before you hit the bike path? Oh gosh. Five or something. I think so. Okay. Yeah. So once it got light out, were you happy with how everything was going and were you making any adjustments? No, um, there were a few parts where we had to get off and walk. There's like this big rocky wall and I know of one guy who can climb it on a bike, Evan Simula, but there were some campers up there and they were like, I think they were really surprised that there was a bike race and they were apologizing to us and we were oh. like, no, we're sorry. We woke you up. Right. Oh, so they were like right on the trail. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're like, sorry. That's kind of cool but, though. Can you imagine sitting in a tent or sleeping in a tent and all of a sudden there's like, what the hell is that? What the hell is that? And then you finally get up and there's like 50 people coming your way. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, so by the time I got to the bike path, I had caught up to um, some other guys and one of my teammates was riding with me and he took like this like ginormous pull on the bike path. And that was the point where I was like, I'm not going to get drop off of this wheel, but that's, that's when we picked up the pace a lot. And, you know, like my legs were starting to hurt, which okay. is never a good sign at mile 25. No, but. not at all. Not at all. Especially with all <laughs> the trail you have left. Um, and, yeah. and listeners, so the bike path she speaks of is a connection from the first group of trails to the second group of trails. And you might be thinking, oh man, lame bike path, whatever. But this goes literally right along the shore of Lake Superior. So if you've never seen Lake uh-huh. Superior before, which you should, um, this is a, it's fantastic. It's basically right around the, kind of goes through the downtown is basically right on the lake. Um, Marquette's right on the lake and you follow that and then you go kind of South down towards Marquette mountain and hit another group of trails. So yeah. So your legs are already hurting at that point. What are you doing? Are you thinking, Oh shit. Are you like, okay, so I need to eat something. I need to get rid of some of this. I need to drink something just to get the weight off of my back. What, what's your mo what's your mindset at that point? Oh, in my mindset, I was like, these guys aren't dropping me. I'm staying on the wheel. Okay. <laughs> I'm staying okay. on their wheels. Yeah. So, no, I, I, I figured, I don't know. I, I'm pretty confident in my endurance. So I know that okay. even if I have to push hard at times, I can usually kind of just, you know, recover. Yeah. Do you do that with guys often? When you're, because you're, you're up there. Wheel yeah. You're up there racing with a lot of guys usually. Um, do, do you do that just like to kind of, pump yourself up or is that not even part of it? It's just like, you know what I mean? Cause from a, I don't know. I'm asking from a guy's perspective. Cause I don't really know what women think. I've been married how many years now? Eight. And I still don't know. Um, but okay. is, does that, do you think about that kind of thing or do you just say, okay, there's just this person that's riding the bike? Like, I'm no, just I just think, 
I, I just think of them more, you know, no, just as, I don't know, we're human, right? So I was just more thinking, like, don't drop off of that wheel. But yeah. I wasn't thinking of it as, like, gender specific. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. I'm just curious because, uh, you know, from a guy's perspective, there sometimes you'll find that uh, guys don't like that. <laughs> so oh, yeah. they obviously think about it just from a, they have an inflated ego issue. Um, but I was just curious from, mm-hmm. the, leading, from the leading woman. Um, what, you know, what your take is. All right. So you're chasing, chasing along, you get to this next group of trails, um, which I'm familiar with. And I know, you know, some of the Rocky, some of the Rocky stuff is, it's really fun if you can, if you can handle a bike. Um, but was that getting to you at all? Or were you having a good time doing it technical wise? Uh, the, the scary trail started to get to me because there were some like, <laughs> it is scary I mean, it's, at, yeah. it's aptly named. Yeah. There were some steep, like Rocky drop-offs and we have nothing like that down here. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Okay. So yeah, I was getting, I got off. I'm not going to lie. I walked a few sections and that was kind of like going into the race. I had decided that I wasn't going to like risk something like I was going to like take it easy on any sections that I wasn't sure if I would survive. Right. <laughs> because, I mean, you don't want to get hurt or break your bike when you have a hundred miles to race. Right. Exactly. It's easy to lose 20 minutes on jacking something up or hurting yourself, you know, laying on the side oh, of the trail yeah. trying to gather yourself than it is just, just to walk it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, all right. No bike issues at this point. Everything's working fine. Yep. Yeah. Everything's working perfectly. Okay. And, and those trails aren't exactly real dusty. So it's not like you're going to, you know, your chain isn't going to be like, it's not like you're in sand and dust and all that kind of stuff. I, I would imagine it's pretty, yeah, pretty clean. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So you're doing that. You get through this middle section. Fine. Um, what are you thinking at that point? Where's and where long of that is the aid station? They had a volunteer aid station at okay. like mile 32 or 36. Okay. And a bunch of food. Cause, um, Todd was talking about the, the food and the like bacon and whiskey and all that stuff. I don't know what aid station. I can't remember what he said that was. I think it was at like 60 something. Yeah. Um, that, that was the one official aid station. So they, they let us know that there would be volunteers working in aid station, but they were like, you know, these are volunteers, so we can't promise anything. Okay. And so I wasn't even sure, like, if they were going to have water. <laughs> okay. Did they have stuff? They, they had, like, a feast. Like, I wish I would have known. Oh, really? Like, they had donuts and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and, like, just everything you could ever want out there. Yeah. Well, I, I would imagine. So any, you know, a, a usual city, you would think a volunteerization would just be whatever, right? You, you don't know what to expect. Marquette is a town of roughly 20,000 people, I think. And they have, mm-hmm. I think, four bike shops. So yeah. if that tells you anything of what those people do there, um, yeah, I can imagine volunteers in Marquette know a little, a thing or two about doing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I should say it took me so long to get to the aid station <laughs> that I started, <laughs> I had no water left. Oh, And really? I went through that. <laughs> yeah, I went through that whole thing. And then, um. So how many I, hours in? Was that like five five hours in or something? Five, six hours yeah. in? Yeah. Yeah. So I started calculating the race and I was like, I think I'm going to be out here for 15 hours. <laughs> so I just started grabbing donuts and like, I just remember shoving a lot of donuts in my back jersey pocket and I was like, so be it. I'll just, you know, yeah. it was almost like a ride. <laughs> did you, did you end up eating them or did they end up just mangled crumbling messes mess no. in your pocket? 
I ate them going up Benson grade, which okay. are you familiar with that climb? Yeah, I'm pretty certain that I am. It's like a, it's like a Jeep road. I don't know. It takes maybe yeah. what, 15 minutes. I don't even know. I can't remember. I don't know. It's just like, going it's the steep. Yeah. Yeah. You're going slow. And I had refilled my Camelback. So once again, it weighed like a hundred pounds. So yeah. yeah, I climbed up Benson grade and ate donuts. Yeah. I think Benson grade, there's a, is access to a bunch of different trails off to the right. There's some flow trails and some other stuff that kind of drops down the hill. And then at the top, there's this little piece of single yeah. track that goes up on a little ridge, right? Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then you drop down the backside. So you drop down the backside of that and you're in this like lowland part of some for like a pine. I just remember it's like a pine forest kind of lowland, some really cool, some soft, I guess about as loamy a dirt as you could get in that region. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's really fun. Single track. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's know, great. Like, yeah. So talk about it's it. It's amazing. Yeah. It, so talk mm. about it. Tell people what that's like down there. You almost, I mean, for me, it's riding that we don't have. It's a lot of like slowy switchbacks and there's, you're just in this huge pine forest. So you feel like, you're separated from like, you know, the rest of the population. It's just completely beautiful. There's running water, there's yeah. waterfalls. I, it's, I can't say enough good things about the single track there. It's like just this awesome experience. So yeah. even when you're suffering and, you know, carrying a lot of gear on you, like it's just pure fun. Right. And then I think after that, after kind of that, that lower section is when you, you start to come, I think, I don't know if you follow the same route, but then after that, then you pop out and you're kind of overlooking, like you can almost see like Lake Superior and stuff. Is that kind of the route you took? Or I don't remember you? that. Okay. I, I don't, I didn't look at the, I couldn't tell on the map when I was looking at which, which course that was, but, um, but okay. So you're at that point. How's it going? Are your legs still sore? Having issues? <laughs> cramping? No, no, no. I was actually feeling pretty good. Um, I, I think like I started to like pick a few people off and then I, I almost started to climb up Benson grade again because you're actually supposed to cross over it when you like exit the single track. But luckily there was a photographer who stopped me and was like, no, you have to go this way. Okay. <laughs> I was, I was having so much fun. I wanted to do it all over again, I yeah, guess. Um, exactly. But it was, it was getting into that time where everything just kind of seems timeless. I don't know. You know how you, right. in a hundred miler after yeah. all the race nerves are gone, you're just riding. Yep. And like you said, people are starting to drop off. You look at the, you look at some of those people you're riding with earlier that might've been pushing a little too much and their faces are just telling the, telling the tale. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So when, at what point uh, did you hit the second aid, that, that official aid station where he talks about the bacon and the whiskey and stuff like that? Are you, is that talking like 10, 12 hours at that point or where, you know? No, no. Um, the total race took me a little over 13. So I oh, actually okay, finished. So okay. Yeah. So you so picked it up didn't the take me, pretty good. Yeah. We had to climb up to um, Ishpeming and then like right before there, I think it was in Nagani where we reached the second aid station and it, that was at mile 67. Okay. And, and, and was, I knew it, it, was it an oasis like he was saying it was? Yeah, it was <laughs> heavenly. <laughs> yeah, but I was almost dreading the aid station because everyone in Marquette had warned me, like, if you think that the single track is tough in Marquette, you're going to be in for a surprise when you get to Ishpeming because that's the hard stuff. And so 
I was just like, what am I in for? Like I had never written any of the single track in Ishpeming and they were right. What, what was it like? Why was it so tough? I, it was just, uh, extremely technical. Um, there okay. were some big rock drop offs and a lot of times you were riding on a ledge and, um, you never could really, I never could get a flow. I know like a lot of the locals were able probably to just like scream through it. But for yeah. me, it just seemed like this huge effort <clears throat> constantly. Okay. Just granny gearing a lot of it just to get through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty though. Yeah. And well, Todd was, when he was describing it, he just said, it's basically, uh, just old school, like yeah. hand built, you know, old Rocky, just punch in your face, basically, especially at the end, you know, being the last 30 miles or whatever. Um, it's definitely just a punch in the face. I mean, so at what point was there a point as you kind of neared maybe 80 miles in or 90 miles in, were you just struggling or were you get to a point where, you know, let's say 85 miles or 15 miles left where you're like, okay, you're smiling your face and you're like, okay, I got this. Like, no problem. I'll just pick it up now. What, what was it like the last yeah. know, 20 miles? Cause it can really so go I, either way. There's no in between, right? It's either you're just, oh, or you're just happy because you're feeling good and ready to go. Yeah. So that. Ishpeming single track, my teammate, Alan Wheeler, he and I had been catching up to each other constantly. So we rode that a lot together and we were unsure of where we were, even though it was marked because we thought we were going to reloop to the aid station that we like the Oasis um, Mm -hmm. at mile 80, but really it wasn't until mile 86. So I was just like, we're lost. I don't know where we are. And then when we finally, <laughs> when we finally got back to the aid station, they had waffles and it was just like the best moment ever. And there was this volunteer who was like, do you want me to make you a waffle? And I was like, sure. So he was putting a lingonberry like sauce on it and then like whipped cream. And yeah, I was just like eating all of these waffles, which normally in a hundred miler, I, I only eat like the race food that I bring with us. So it was, it was a really nice experience, like to just sit for a moment and eat waffles. <laughs> nice. So but, <laughs> how many times you haven't done that many times in a race, have you? Never, no. never. Usually I just grab my, whatever's in my drop bag and leave. Um, right. But in another race promoter who was there, one of the workers was like, you have 14 miles left. And it's going to take you two to three hours. And I, I was like in disbelief. I was like, no way. Like, how can that be? And he was like, you have about 2,500 feet of climbing left and it's just really technical. And he was right. We were, it felt like I was never going to make the finish. Hmm. And at that point, darkness was kind of like settling in. So I finished like the last hour, hour and a half in the dark. Okay. And you were prepared. Your light was fine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I carried three lights with me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So uh, yes, you were overpacked. Did you, did you end up yeah. using the camelback at all the rest of the race or once it was gone, you didn't take the time to fill it up? Oh no, I filled it up. Okay. So you filled yeah. it up again? Full? <laughs> Man, glutton for yeah. punishment. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. When they, when they were telling us that you had to be out in this race on your own, I took it very seriously. <laughs> yeah. And do you think a lot of, do you get the feeling that a lot of people didn't or did most people that, that showed up were in the same boat? Like they knew 
you know, they've been there before. They were all packed. They had their extra stuff. What was your feeling on that? Yeah, people knew. Um, Almost everyone had garments on them, which is what the race promoter suggested. And I would recommend that to anyone doing the race, for sure. Just because the trail system is so elaborate out there, like you definitely want that file. Okay. Anything else you'd recommend as far as it could be anything, equipment, training, uh, maybe some, you know, piece of advice, just mindset wise, maybe, maybe not, none of that piece of play or place to stage, <laughs> like you said, black rocks, place to drink, any, any oh, yeah. advice for, you know, going back there, things that you maybe would do differently. Um, um or- yeah. Okay. So like next year I'm going back with a dropper post. I've never ridden with one, but I wanted one the entire time for the race. <laughs> Every time you hit those drops. Yeah. yeah. Like 100 percent um there were people on hardtails in the race but if you have full suspension i would use it 100 percent. it is technical i saw the other advice i saw one of the top i saw one of the top guys finished on a rigid a geared rigid bike first or second i think it was second place finished on a rigid oh uh that's my teammate matt acker yeah it was matt yeah riding a rigid yeah yep he's done he's done the fat bike uh frozen 40 a couple times Oh yeah, think, yep. He he yeah, year. he won the series last year, and he's he's okay. doing them all again this year. And okay. he's also so he was just picked up by salsa. So I think next year he'll be out on a spearfish. Gotcha. Okay. So sorry. Go ahead. Finish. Finish. Yeah. With no. conditions. <laughs> so my other advice is just kind of to enjoy like the moment, um, and that's the approach that I took. Like with other hundred milers, you know, I've always been like just like flying through the aid stations and everything, but you kind of have to take this race for what it is. Like it's a fundraiser for the trail systems up there. They do a really great job marking the course, but just know that it is going to take longer than most hundred milers, but you also get some of the most spectacular views and really great riding. And just, yeah, if you haven't signed up for it, like this is the first race that I signed up for the day it opened. I've never done that before. It was, (laughs) For as hard as it was, it was, I mean, hands down, one of the best races I've ever done. Yeah. And if you do it under, what is it? If you do it under 12, you get a belt buckle. Yes. Yep. So you were very close. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have to cut, I think I was like 13 hours and 20 minutes. I hope so. I never even looked at my finishing time. So. Well, that's not very, that's not very, uh, you're not very far off considering you stopped to have waffles. You filled your thing with donuts. (laughs) You carried three lights camelbacks <laughs> right i mean that's so yeah Any, anything gear wise you wish you wouldn't have taken no no oh, i okay. i was happy i had it all okay <laughs> a trailer maybe next time <laughs> How about, okay so here's a here's a question that comes up because i'm sure there was somebody i didn't check the i didn't look through the results to see if there was like uh fat bikers but i know there's people thinking <laughs> that so you are, so listeners, Danielle has uh, been one of the top fat bike riders, racers, whatever, um, since kind of fat bike racing's kicked off the last five, six years. Um, the the shorter stuff, you haven't done any like Arrowhead or any of the stuff that existed before, I don't think, have you? No, no. no. Um, but you run the fat bike Frozen 40, I don't even know, I can't remember, it's a couple of years, whatever. Anyhow. So, and you've done, uh, a lot of fat biking. Uh, if anybody's thinking about doing that, what would you say to them? The Margie Gessick kind of fat bike. I would say that 
Evan Samula did it, and I think at, he was in the top five overall on a buck saw. So he was on the full suspen- okay. full suspension okay. salsa fat bike. He doesn't count. My teammate. That's true. Right. <laughs> he. <clears throat> My teammate Tyler did it on the Bear Grace and okay. finished about 20 minutes ahead of me. Okay. And my teammate Alan was right behind me. So, like, they they liked it on the fat bike, but I think that riding with a rigid fork really got to them. Okay. okay. But, yeah, if you want to do it, it's have doable. fun. Yeah. yeah, it's totally doable. Okay. Well, and Tyler, so Evan, uh, he's a pretty strong rider. Uh, Tyler's mm-hmm. no slouch. Uh, he, he also attempted the Mata Hay 100 on a fat bike and, uh, I think he did pretty well up until the heat got him halfway through. Uh, but yeah. So, yeah. All right. So I think that's enough of the, the Margie Gessick because there's a few more things I want to talk about, but, um, if listeners, if you have any questions, I'll I'll put links in the show notes of where to find information on the Margie Gessick. Uh, and, uh, but easy, quick way to find it is facebook.com forward slash, Margie Gesick 100, and that's M A R J I G E S I C K 100. So that's a quick, easy way to file it or find it. Um, and I would say if it does sound interesting to you, you should get on it right away because it's limited. And I didn't check the registration anytime in the last week. It's going to fill up quickly. There's a 50 miler, yeah. 100 miler, and it's going to fill up. So you need to get on I- it right now. I think there's maybe a hundred spots left. In yeah. That. Yep. In maybe that, a little more, but yep. And that'll fill up probably next month. I'm sure. <clears throat> so definitely check that out. All right. So the important thing here, kids, <laughs> so you've been busy all summer. I, like we stay in touch, just, uh, basically random emails now and then you do the Instagram from Mountain bike radio, which there's a lot of cool stuff on there. Um, and Obviously, you follow each other on Facebook, but you've been cranking out a ton of stuff with kids yeah. this summer. Talk about that. What are you doing? <clears throat> yeah, I uh, I started a kids team called the Grand the Grand Rapids Dirt Dogs, and it's something that I've always wanted to do just because of how much my mountain biking changed my life. And you know, I, I've had a lot of support, so I wanted to kind of give back. And I always wish that I started riding earlier. So. Last November, I talked to um, my sponsor, the owner of Grand Rapids Bike Shop, and I was like, I want to start a kids team. And he's like, yeah, go for it. So I started a team. Um, I had no clue what I was getting into, but it was by far the best experience of my life so far. And how many, how many kids? So this, the first year we had 71 kids. Our youngest was two and then the oldest was 12. And what do you do with them? So when people say, when, <laughs> well, that's the thing is, you know, it, yeah. there's different levels, different kids. Like what, what is the average? Like, what do you do when you meet up with these kids? Yeah. So I, I did a, re- I did a bunch of research over the winter and, um, basically with kids who are under the age of 15, like you can work on skills, but everything just kind of happens organically on the trail. They all kind of, you know, learn from each other. So I found, um, we had like unlimited volunteers. So we had um, six coaches and then we would work on like one basic skill with them every week. We had practice once a week and then we'd go ride trail with them. So like we'd work on like cornering and then we'd find a section of trail and work on that with them. And then um, another important part of the team was we really wanted to start teaching trail stewardship just because, you know, I started working on trail really late in life and I was just blown away with 
how many volunteers there are out there working on trail, like on a weekly basis. And I mean, we all get to ride all this fun single track, but it's because of all these volunteers. So we had a local company make custom tools for the little kids and we <laughs> built our own youth trail. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. So we had a trail for like, uh, any, like kids under the age of five who ride strider bikes or, you know, are just getting into it so they could go out with their parents and not have to worry about, you know, someone trying to like beat a Strava segment. Right. Yeah, exactly. And when you first started this, were you more nervous, uh, going into the first kind of group meeting with this, starting this up? Were you more nervous doing that or doing a race? I was, I was way more nervous. Like I couldn't even breathe going (laughs) into it. Like there, there were so many different aspects. So one thing that I really wanted to do, um, was also reach out, um, to the inner city so that, Mm -hmm. Kids who normally aren't able to go to single track could experience, you know, going into the woods on bikes. So early into starting this team, um, we formed, you know, we had a we formed a board. So we have a board of directors and we applied to become a nonprofit and we just were approved. So we're officially a 501c3. So I was really lucky to have this really talented um, board behind me. Mm-hmm. And it was just a huge learning experience from getting like background checks on all of the coaches and volunteers and, you know, figuring out how we were going to like, um, you know, keep track of any sort of like incident reports or like having an evacuation plan. Like all of these things you I had never thought about, you know, just by myself, like mountain biking. So it was a huge learning curve, but okay. it was really awesome. OK. And how about the kids? So you don't oh, you don't have a kid. Yeah. You don't have kids yourself. And, um, and and you haven't worked with kids like this before, have you in any any aspect? I did, um, a few skills clinics leading up to it. Okay. And so I, I had an idea, a little bit of an idea of what I was getting up to, but not what it would be like to have 71 kids at once. (laughs) Okay. So, so what did you learn in that process from the beginning to end? What did you think you knew and what did you end up learning along the way about kids? Yeah. So what I learned along the way was to stop and enjoy the moment. Um, it, the whole summer became like this giant adventure and all of a sudden, instead of like trying to like worry about intervals or heart rates, I was like looking at trail again through like the eyes of a child. And it was amazing. And I think a lot of the other coaches felt like that, like just kind of like experiencing that joy that we all experienced when we first started mountain biking. Like we got to experience that every week again. Like it was amazing. Like the kids were so excited just to ride, um, you know, like over rocks and roots and they, they definitely progressed throughout the summer. But what I was surprised about the most was, um, just how much their self-esteem grew. And I guess I shouldn't have been surprised because that happened to myself as well, but they were so proud that they could like climb up a hill that they couldn't make before. And they, they be watching them become teammates with each other over the summer was really rewarding. Like they would cheer each other on and like, it was, it was awesome. If anyone's like ever wanting to start a kids team, I highly recommend it because it is, it's way more fun than racing. (laughs) (laughs) I think you bring up a really good point that, um, people that either don't have kids and, and this isn't the thing about you should go have kids. Cause I have a couple, I have uh, a son and a daughter myself. They're both little under four. Um, and I'm not one of those people that's like, Oh, you just don't understand. Like you don't have kids. Like, 
whatever. Like if you don't want to have kids, you don't want to have kids. I totally understand. Right. So I'm not, this isn't a discussion about that, but just, just what I've learned from kids, um, from having kids is that they, if you give them the opportunity to be very focused on something that they enjoy doing, they, you don't have to push them in any direction and they will listen and they will uh, give, give and get feedback really well. Right. Oh so they, yeah. And, yep. and it becomes a direct result of how, you know, you're a very positive person. You're always like, you could be 80 miles. That's why I was asking about the 80 miles and smiling because <laughs> listeners, Danielle could be, you could see her, you know, eight miles in or eight hours into a 12 hour race. And she's like chatting and smiling and stuff. Right. Um, so she'd be a good coach <laughs> for this kind of thing. And it, they're just, it's a direct kids, especially smaller kids, their actions are a direct mirror of what you put into it. And was there, so my point being, was there any point where you caught yourself trying to teach these kids and maybe you had a bad day or you were just tired or, you know, sometimes it happens. You get frustrated. Sometimes you're trying to do one thing. And you thought you were being clear on what to do and the kids just didn't react the way you thought they were. And you're like, oh, crap. You know what? It's not really them. It's me that I just wasn't clear on what I wanted to happen. Did that ever happen to you? It happened. I I guess I I should also let everyone know that the group that I coached was uh, the Strider group. So they were ages two to five. And no, it was, it was a joy every single time we would just run around in the woods and they would scoop, but there were times like overall, um, where I realized we had to be very clear with the kids, um, just because when, uh, practice would be over, a lot of times they would still want to ride their bikes (laughs) and I'd be like, you know, you know, we, we, we had like codes of conduct. We, we talked about safety with them, but kids will be kids. And I just remember this one moment where, um, there was this chain link that was kind of like attached and floating in the air. And I saw one of the dirt dogs like riding straight for it. Like he was going to try to bunny hop a chain link, you know? And I was like, no, no, stop. (laughs) Yeah. There's, yeah, there's, there's instances where you let kids try something to find out on their own. And then there's sometimes where you say, Oh shit. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So yeah, yeah, it's one of those times. But you had overall, it was. It sounds like it was an t- absolute success. Yeah, one hundred percent. It was awesome, and we we were really lucky. Like we had so much community support and so many volunteers. Um, the one thing I would recommend is you can never have too many volunteers helping out. We try to keep like one adult per four kids, just because. Um, you know, the skill level is different and, you know, it's kind of like a rubber band when you're on the trails, like kids will start to separate and regroup. So we, we definitely, you know, you it's better to be safe with too many adults than too little. And uh, next year we're expanding to two days and we're going to have um, 130 kids. Holy man. You guys are crazy mm-hmm. for bikes. <laughs> Seriously, Grand Rapids is crazy yeah. for bikes. Michigan is crazy for bikes. <laughs> it, that's one thing that you, seriously you that's one thing i've learned over the course of the last few years doing mountain bike radio is michigan is like one of the top states for mountain biking you might not yeah. have like the rocky mountains or the you know the east coast mountains um but you guys just love bikes seriously oh yeah um, yeah all right so i was going to mention the website if anybody has any questions you can go to grdirtdogs.com That'll have all Uh information there. 
or you can go to facebook.com forward slash Grand Rapids Dirt Dogs. And that dogs is D-A-W-G-S. So if you have any um, questions, comments about that. And you mentioned, Danielle, that you got your nonprofit status. That means if we want to make a donation to you and help you out, we like, we hear this and people, you know, listeners want to help out. <laughs> they can get a tax deductible donation, right? That is true. So there you that go. That is true. So mm-hmm. what should I... Um, do you have some link that I could uh, post up on the show notes? So if people want to, they hear this and they're like, man, this is really awesome. And Danielle's doing a great job uh, and all the volunteers are doing a great job and they want to give a boatload of money. Do you have? Oh I, my I gosh. Put okay. yeah. <laughs> I'll put yeah. a little- no, we, we, um, we have, we picked up Mind Utopia as a sponsor and they're designing our website. Okay. And so we are going to have a link, but if people are interested in donating, they can contact me and. Okay. And uh, what email do you want them to send a, send a message to? They can send it to um, info at dirtdogs.com. Oh, okay. So info at dirtdogs.com. I will put that in mm-hmm. the show notes too, just to remind you people. Uh, so yeah, so I would encourage it. I'll, I'll be throwing some money your way. So I, I didn't realize you, you had that status. Well, I should have given money anyway, but this is just a prompt for me to do it. So prompt for you all you listeners too. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah. So anything else that you have going on at this point, you're racing, doing all these, you know, this crazy race, doing some 12 hour races, doing the dirt dogs. Uh, what else do you have going on? Are you going to be um, racing I'm fat racing. bikes this winter? Yeah. Yeah. And okay. back on the 45 North women's team. So I'm okay. really excited about that. Okay. And then, yeah, racing fat bikes. Um, Iceman. The only, you know, this is the first year I'm not racing Iceman, but I am riding up to Iceman with some friends on our fat bikes. Gotcha. So you're going to ride yep, up there, so. have a party for the weekend and ride back? We're, <laughs> <laughs> we, we are driving back. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wish um, it's going to be about 170 miles, I think, to get up there. Wow. So that's a different adventure, yeah. huh? It is. It is. So we're going to do that. Um, yeah. But I'm racing fat bikes this weekend and then the next weekend. So, yeah, definitely racing is, you know, winter is almost like has become my season now. Right. And can I, before we wrap this up, I want to get your opinion because I actually um, had, I was having a discussion with somebody, I forgot who it was a few weeks ago, but this conversation has come up several times about fat bike racing and winter racing and, um, what I've seen, I mean, I, like I said, I, I've been involved with the fat bike frozen 40 and I took it over this year as my own and we're in the fifth year. And back in the mm-hmm. first year, I remember it was, it was either like arrow, like the big ones, like arrowhead, I did a rod, some other, a few other real big races, but there was no like 20 mile race, 40 mile race, all the races that you see now that fill up the calendar completely. There was none of that. Yeah. And, um, so now what I've seen over the course of the last five years is people racing all year. Like they will, cause I pay attention to this, like Facebook, I see all these people, I'm friends with them on Facebook just cause of what I do. Right. I like I'm inundated oh, yeah. with what everyone's doing. And, um, mm-hmm. I, I just don't, this is like, I see people burn out constantly. Right. I see like one year they're like cranking, they race all summer, they race all winter. And I know for damn sure they're going to be done because you just can't keep doing it. And, uh, you know, that's something that I, I think we've talked about in the past is you've had some points where you're like, man, I just have to rest because I, you know, you raced 
all year and you had all this. What, what's your take? What, like now that you've had a few years under your belt doing summer, winter, you raised 24 hour worlds last year. Um, yeah. What are you, where are you at at this point? I mean, as far as like, <clears throat> do you race for the winter and then take a couple months off and then just take it easy for a couple months? Like, how do you, how are you working this out so you can keep doing it year after year? I, I'm still trying to find like the, like a healthy balance. Um, but I think that I'm, I'm getting closer to that point. I can be really tough on myself when I'm racing. I put a lot of pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. And so with fat bike racing, to me, it's just more fun because I mean, it is super serious and there is immense competition, but at the same time, you're like wiping out in snow banks and, you know, right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, what I try to do is like, uh, I'll do a few races and then maybe take a few weeks off because if you race all the time, you also aren't necessarily training. And that's what I found out was happening to me. I was just like racing constantly and trying to taper down or trying to recover and I was actually losing a lot of top end. So what I'll do is uh, I'll race the winter and then I do uh, the Barry Roubaix, which is like a big gravel road race here. And then I take a li- like a month off completely and just kind of like ride and, you know, I, I try to like, I try to like just really focus on having fun in my races too. Like if, if you, if I were to take every race, like as serious as I take some of them, I would just, I blow up and become like you know, mm-hmm. not a fun person to be around by any means and completely burnt out. Right. Right. And through this discussion, I've, I've sensed a, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call you getting old cause we're, we're pretty much the same. We're almost we're <laughs> the same age. Um, I would say, uh-huh. I would say more of, uh, maturing in the fact that, you know, that you kind of, I, I feel like we're in the same type of thing where you kind of take a step back. Sometimes you can be serious as you want. Like I'm hard on myself, really serious about some things sometimes, but at the same point, um, at some point you learn that, you know, that y- sometimes you got it. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's time to be serious. Sometimes it's time to, to kind of enjoy the, I don't know, the totally cliche at this point, but enjoy the journey, the adventure. Uh, and it sounds like you're kind of, taking or tilting towards that, that frame of mind. Is that, I mean, do you feel that or do do you just, I mean, do you sit sometimes and realize, Oh man, like I'm looking at things a lot differently as far as racing, as far as what the, the bike means in my daily life. How is that all like, what's going on in your head with that? Yeah. So, uh, working with the dirt dogs this summer definitely took priority And there were times where I would like miss workouts and not care. And in the past, like I put my workout before everything. So yeah, I would say there are times where I'm like, eh, I have this race coming up, but I'm still going to do a trail run with my friends on Friday. And normally I wouldn't do that. So I think I've learned to just kind of take it in stride more because to tell you the truth, like I, no matter how hard I train for something, I think you're right that it is kind of like the journey leading up to the race. Like I'll remember little bits of races like the waffles that I had at the Margie Gessick. But more importantly, I think I, I kind of remember more like doing training rides with friends and, you know, just kind of like putting in the effort to get there. Yeah. And I don't know. It, you, have, you always have good results or bad results. But in the long run, I mean, I don't think people like value you any less if you have a bad race. Right. And more importantly, yourself. I mean, you come to terms with. And like I said, it, like you said, missing a workout here and there, um, I found with that, 
that I ended up doing the workouts that I did do harder. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like, yeah. all right, uh, you know, this one, I, I had all this work to do and whatever, but then tomorrow night, like you hammered for two hours. Right. And then the next night you're like, Oh crap, I have dirt dogs or whatever. Like I'll get a little break. You know, I won't train per se. And, um, so I'm just going to hammer tomorrow night and you, I just found that it really focused me on what I was doing, especially this last year, even though I burned myself out, that's a whole other story. But, um, I just, I just feel like it focused you on your task at hand. So if the training was a task at hand, it was training. If it wasn't, if it was going out and having fun with friends, then that's what it was. You know, there was no like, Hey, I'm going out with friends. I'm going to race you. Right. (laughs) So whereas five years ago, I'd have been like, all right, guys, let's go race, you know? Um, yeah. Yep. I am past the stage of always trying to keep like a half wheel ahead of my friends. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's, I, I, I find it refreshing in this, you know, cause it's, I, I see it a lot. So many people get wrapped up in, you know, the, the Strava and, you know, you could be after a race and everyone's staring at their power files around a table instead of eating and talking and drinking a beer. I mean, what fun is that? You know? so <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I find it refreshing that, you know, that, that you're out there doing it with the, with the team and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. So thanks for doing it in Michigan. That's, <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So anyhow, so listeners, if you have any questions, you can always shoot me an email. I say it all the time, but you can it's Ben at mountainbikeradio.com. Follow us on Twitter, it's MTN Bike Radio. Follow us on Instagram or Instagram, it's MTN Bike Radio. Uh and that should do it. So Danielle, is there anything else you want to mention before we wrap this up? No, I think I'm good. Okay, cool. So you will likely, if you're in the Midwest and it, well, hell, if you're going to Margie Gessick next year, just, uh, find the woman in the salsa <laughs> gear carrying the mule on her back. Um, <laughs> and, and uh, possibly pulling like a Bob trailer behind right, me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and that will be Danielle. So thank you for listening, Danielle. Thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yep. And listeners, uh, look forward to having you tune in again. But thank you for listening this time. And that'll do it for this episode of Inside Mountain Bike Radio. Mm-hmm.